Amen. Thank you, Brother Randy. And I rarely ever say this. I don't know if I ever have. But I appreciate our men who are so faithful in their Bible study that they believe in the absolute sovereignty of God. Now, you heard it come out in Randy's prayer. He believes that without any question, that we serve a God that is in control. And He works all things, as the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, after the counsel of His own will. I'm thankful for that. I'm standing up here saved tonight because that's true. I'm saved because that's true. I'm not saved because I'm worthy or deserve it or ever did anything that contributed to my salvation. That I believe very firmly. I'm saved because I am so glad that Jesus loved me. And He did. All right. I'll read beginning in verse 12. And I'll read down through... I'll just read through the end of the chapter. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. And then in verse 15 will be the verse we focus on tonight. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy and upon the Israel of God. For uh, from, from henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your, with your spirit. Amen. And that comes down to the end of the book of Galatians. Now, last Sunday night, this was our text, and I took the first two verses that I read tonight, verse 12 and verse 13, and I brought a, a stammering message on circumcision. And uh, there was a reason for that, and I, I won't do it tonight. So you that laughed at me last Sunday night, trying to share some truth related to that, so we could understand exactly what that was that they were pushing for, exactly. And I shared with you that uh, that in the Old Testament with Abraham and the Israelites was not what is performed on little boys when they're born today. It was not. It was not the same thing. It was not for the same purpose. Uh, Brother more let us know last Sunday night what that purpose was, but that was not their purpose. And uh, something interesting, and I don't have it uh, written down tonight, but there are five or six countries, now you might be surprised at this, who do not permit that procedure. 
Five or six countries that don't. Uh, Russia don't, China don't, France doesn't, um, and I forget, there's a bunch of them. In other words, we might think that that procedure that is done medically in our country tonight is done all over the world. Without exception, you'd be wrong when you say that. And so, sometimes doctors tell people things that are just not true, and they uh, warn them if they don't do that, then this is going to happen or that's going to happen, and I've heard them talk about that or whatever. And I shared with you how that 200 years ago, when all the little baby boys were born at home, that didn't even happen, and they've not all died either over that. (laughs) So, uh, anyway... Uh, I'll not get no farther into that. <laughs> Y'all will be laughing at me again if, if I do, so I'm going to hold off. But I thought it was important that we understand what that was they were doing, exactly what that was they were doing. And so I will say this again, it was a snippet rather than the whole thing. And uh, I know that because I've been asked many times by parents who had little boys and did not want that procedure done and come to me and say, Brother Thomas, can you... And I have researched it really, really well. And if any of you all want to know any more about it, just come to me and ask me and I'll tell you you more about it. But anyway, I'm not going to go into that because... But it was a uh, symbol or a picture of the putting off of the flesh... You remember that I read in Colossians chapter 2. If you didn't catch that, you can write this down. It's verse 9 through verse 14. That tells us that that was a picture foreshadowed the putting off of mortality, our mortality. And so that's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom. And so... Uh, That was a picture or a representation of that. And then, uh, and I don't know if I'll get into any of it tonight, probably not, but uh, the circumcision uh, that is performed on believers today is the circumcision of the heart. And the Bible talks about that very in several places. And in case I don't get to it, I'll give you uh, let's see if I can find it. You, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 4. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. And it's spiritual circumcision. So we would know that anything done in the Old Testament pointed towards some reality in the New Testament. And it did. And we... We understand that really clear. I will read that one in Romans, and it's in chapter number 2. It is a precious text. In Romans chapter 2, 28 and 29 says this, For he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. That's what it was. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And so tonight's subject is going to come from verse 15. And I'll read that again so it, where it says this. 
For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Now that new creature introduces to us a really important doctrine in the Bible. And that is the doctrine of regeneration. A new creature. When God saves people, He makes men a brand new man. He makes woman a brand new woman. We are new. That's what the Bible says. And so, teaches us very clear. So this introduces the doctrine of regeneration. That's what that means. There are several wonderful words in the Bible, such as regeneration, redemption, substitution, uh, justification, sanctification, intercession, glorification. All of these words are important. And it brings to mind uh, a course that I, I taught back several years ago, uh, and it was systematic theology. I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed it. Uh, for a long time, some of you will remember, I would go over to Lexington on Tuesday nights, and I would teach in uh, Brother Steve Wainwright. You all know him. He was uh, Lexington Bible College, Bible College, LBC, was, was closed down. He was actually trying to get it fired back up and going again. And so, Brother Thompson, Brother Ed Overby, and myself, and a couple of others, would, was teaching uh, Bible college level courses. And so I, I was assigned to teach systematic theology. And of course, when I was in school, that was my favorite subject. It was theology that is broken up systematically, and it's wonderful to learn. And if there ever was a time when the church wanted me to teach that, I'd be more than glad to do it, or I'd preach it, or whatever. But systematic theology... And I was, I, I could choose the text that we used in the class, and I chose Brother Heisel's. Y'all may remember Brother Heisel was a teacher at Lexington Baptist College, and he taught that subject, and he had a, a course book on it for his students when he taught it. And so that was what I used to teach that from, and it was a good source. But those are words that are in the Bible that are really important words. They are really important. Regeneration is the giving of new life. And that's what that means in that verse when it says, but a new creature, a new creature, a new person, so to speak. Now there's a uh, passage of Scripture. You can turn to it. It's in the book of Titus. In the book of Titus in chapter 3, and you all know that the book of Titus is a wonderful little book. I, I really love it, and I love to preach from it. I love to teach from it. But in Titus, and in the third chapter, and verse 3 through 7, talks about that. It talks about that subject, regeneration. Here's what it says, beginning of verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Boy, listen to this. He's going to talk about what we were like. Now, there probably wouldn't be anybody here tonight or listening to this sermon that is a, a child of God that would admit that there was ever a time when they were foolish. Your preacher tonight is going to confess it. There was a time in my life when I was foolish. I really, really was. I was foolish. 
And it got me a multitude of whippings. I mean, my daddy could really crank one out. <laughs> and uh, so I got in all kinds of trouble. My little brother Ricky, he says that the greatest lessons he's learned in life was watching my brother Randall and myself as we grew up. He never got a whipping that I know of. That's what's wrong with him. He needed some. And I threatened to give him some. I think I've told this story before. Brother Tim will let me know if I did because he keeps up with them. But anyway, he likes them though. He don't tell me that critically. But one time my brother Randall, he's two years younger than, than me, and he was fencing. And Ricky come around, and Ricky was talking about how that Randall used to mistreat him and whip him and wrestle with him and, and rough him up and all kinds of things like that. And what Ricky did was he said, you couldn't do that now. Randall dropped his tools, and he gave Ricky one of the worst rollings and tumblings that he's ever got and then got up and went back to fencing. <laughs> Let him know that he could still do that. And of course that reminds me of what I told Brother Brenton this morning. He was smarting off about something. And I told him I could whip two his age, as big as he is, and me 72 years old. Now he laughed at me, but it's true. He just doesn't know it for sure, but it's true. But anyway, uh, there was a time when we were foolish and disobedient and deceived and serving divers or different kinds of lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. Now, that was a time when I was foolish, but I didn't do all of that. I don't think I've ever hated anybody. I don't think I ever have. You say, but what about people that's done you really, really bad over the years? It sure didn't. I didn't hate them. I sure didn't. And I give God the credit for that and the glory for that. I don't hate anybody. I don't think I ever have. And uh, he goes on to say, then he, then he shows how that the Lord intervenes in the life of the believer. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared. And you know, everybody that's saved tonight, that's your testimony. There was a time in your life when that happened to you. The kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared. And so you can give Him the glory and the credit for saving your unworthy soul. And that happens when He intervenes in a person's life. I don't preach or teach that we're saved by our works. I do not do that at all. I preach all the time that we're saved because there come a time when he, when he took the initiative and intervened in our life. And so that's what verse 4 is talking about. And then he says in verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done. So the next time you run into somebody and you're discussing uh, different beliefs or whatever, and they start talking about being saved by works, you tell them that's not what the Bible says at all. And they're wrong. They are just flat wrong. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing and of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That right there is the doctrine of regeneration. That's what happened to you, my saved brother and sister, is there was an intervention 
And He saved you by that. Uh, and He says in verse 6, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Don't you just love that passage of Scripture? That is a wonderful, wonderful text. And that describes exactly what has happened to every saved person. And it describes what needs to happen to every lost person. I remember one time years ago, this has been 40 plus years ago, and I would get up on Sunday morning, and I had a favorite radio station that I would tune in. And I'd tune that radio station in, and I actually enjoyed the preaching of a certain Baptist preacher so much that I would turn my little a tape recorder on and I would record that message in case there was something I wanted to go back and listen to again. And I, that's the way I was thinking and everything. And so he preached this sermon. The title of his sermon was What the Sinner Needs to Hear. That was awesome. I still have it on tape. What the Sinner Needs to Hear. And I've put off for 40 years to preach that sometime and just use that tape as a guideline for that. But that's what the sinner needs to hear. The sinner needs to be regenerated, needs to be given life, needs to be the subject of the washing of regeneration. And that's how that he does that. And so we find that uh, this word is only found, regeneration is only found uh, two times in the Scripture. One of them is in Matthew, and I'll read that passage, but it means something totally different. Chapter 19 and 27 through 30, and it means something altogether different, but they use it. And it says, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and, and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration, there's the word, Jesus used it, when the Son of Man shall sit on, uh, sit in the throne of His glory, and you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of I I Israel. I'll go on in verse 29, And everyone that hath forsaken houses and brethren and sisters and father and mother or wife or children, or land, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit eternal life. And then here's one that's going to come up on Wednesday night. Someone has uh, asked, and I wrote it down, but many uh, that are first shall be last, and last shall be first. That's just, that's one scripture for the, for the study. So anyhow, but I want to show you how that's used. In the regeneration, that's the rebirth of all creation. One day Jesus is coming back and He's going to fix it. Amen. He's just going to fix everything that's wrong with it. So in the regeneration is the rebirth of all creation. And I'll go on and explain what I think that this means. And He says to them, uh, And you shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. I believe this is figurative language which simply means that he'll honor his followers and they will be rewarded in the end. You know, we, we need to be careful sometime about taking some statements we find in the Bible literally. And the Bible tells us 
that it is not meant for everything we find in the Scriptures to be taken literally. And of course, especially in books like the book of Revelation, the book of Ezekiel, some parts of Daniel, and books like that. There's a lot of figurative language that is in there. So that's, that's what he says there about regeneration. But this is talking about being born again. It's talking about being given new life. Aren't you thankful for the Scripture using this words, these words, new creature? New creature. I love it. I love it because that's what He does. That's how we know that we're saved. And we have the story of poor old Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And Jesus talked to him about <clears throat> being born again. And he got the shock of his life. He found out religion don't save you. <laughs> That's what he found out. Jesus told him, no, you've got to be born again. Born of water and of the Spirit. Don't you think for a minute that this, what he said about water is water baptism. It is not that. It is not that at all. If people that teach that are teaching something that's contrary to a whole lot that the Bible has to say. Isn't that right, Brother Moore? Amen. Amen. Agrees. He agrees with me wholehearted. But this is what he's talking about that we read in Titus chapter 3. And also in Ephesians, uh, and it is found in the fifth verse, and uh, the in the fifth verse, um, and, or, or, or yeah, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, uh, verse 25 through, if I can find it in my Bible. It's in here somewhere. It is, uh, that's not it. Ephesians, I will get it and I will read it. Ephesians chapter 5, and this is an uh, interesting way that it is stated in the Scriptures. It's talking about the Lord's church. And he compares uh, his relationship to his church to what our relationship husbands and wives ought to be to each other. And so here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave Himself for it. Men, that's what the Bible says. If we're going to be walk as His children... This is a necessity uh, that he, he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now there it is. That, that explains what that means. And he shall present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. I'm thankful for that. And that word water there is the same as it is in these verses of Scripture, John chapter 7 and verse 35, Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He told that poor little old woman that was lost as a goose in John chapter 4. Not only was she not saved, but she didn't even have a decent reputation. And you know what Jesus stopped there for? To save that woman. And all those other people that were saved as a result of her witness. That's amazing. Sometimes we get to thinking, the Lord's not interested in so-and-so because he's so wicked or she's so wicked. Don't you ever think that because he can save the rottenest one that you could think of. And uh, he saved me. 
I maybe wasn't as rotten as some, but I was rotten. I was rotten. But anyway, uh, he told that woman there, uh, you know, if you knew what I have to offer, you'd ask me for water. I wouldn't be asking you for water. That's the washing of regeneration that he's talking about. It's also the same as it is in Revelation twenty-two seventeen. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And I think I mentioned this in some uh, teaching uh, just recently, that this whosoever, you might remember that I told you that there's not a Greek word for that. And whosoever in John 3.16 is everybody. It's not just anybody, but it's everybody. Everybody that believeth. That's who it is. This in whosoever here is not the same Greek word. Greek word in John 3.16 is pas. But here it's a word that it means the one. So how many of you know today the one who desires can take the water of life freely. I say this all the time. You know, God will save every person who wants to be saved. Amen? Every person who wants to be saved. Now, people have criticized me for the way I preach and teach about how people are saved. And I've been accused of believing that, you know, that, that not believing that, but I do believe that. If there's somebody here tonight who desires to take of the water of life freely, you can do that. If you desire, you can do it. Amen? Everyone who desires that, whoever wills, that's what that means. And I've preached about the fact that in your lost condition, you can't will that. You just cannot do it. And But when the Lord intervenes, you can. Father, we thank You and praise You for the privilege we've had to look at this wonderful verse about being a new creature. And we thank You, Father. I do personally because of what You've done for me. And I know that I'm Your child. There's no question about it. And everybody that is saved can know that without any doubt, without any question whatsoever. And we thank You for that. Bless us now as we sing a closing number. And Lord, touch our hearts in whatever way You see fit. In Jesus' name and for His sake we humbly pray. Amen. Now would you stand with me while Brother Aaron leads us.